leadership minister is servanthood. And therefore, as mm. an assistant and as leadership or somebody aspiring to be a leader, our role is to be servants. And therefore, where there is a need, we're there to fill that need. And if our pastor, our, our leadership tells us there's a need here, can you do this? Whatever it is, do it with excellence. Not because we're on a pulpit and people are seeing us. There's a lot of pressure on a pulpit, you know. But the church doesn't run off a pulpit. The church runs off everything that takes place, the behind the scenes and the things that are seen. And there's a lot that goes on. And as people are are given opportunities, we're not given the opportunities that we necessarily want. We're given the opportunities that the church needs. And so whatever that is, I want to strongly encourage you today, do it with excellence. Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today, I was blessed to have an intriguing conversation with Jacob Caltabiano about leadership and how to follow well. He is the pastor of Grace Point Pentecostal Church on the Gold Coast and has decades of ministerial experience as a leader and a follower. I cannot wait to share this with you all. But before we get to that, we have another five-star review out of Australia. This listener says, they love the podcast and the content. Greg, did you know they actually listen to the Hacker Podcast at work with colleagues? They love encouraging and uplifting stories from past episodes. And lastly, they love having a true blue great apostolic host. Well, that's uh, that's flattering. It's awesome that they listen to it at work. Who was that from? My hot spot is on. Okay. Yep. Um, All right. Well, thank you for that wonderful review and for the continued support of the podcast. We are blessed by every review, comment, and share. Next week, we'll be celebrating our one year of the Hacker Podcast, so you don't want to miss that episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me. It's awesome seeing you this past weekend at our ministers and leaders mm-hmm. retreat. And and actually you shared on this topic at that event. And I wanted to uh, get this out to the rest of the listening audience. I thought mm-hmm. it would be something good for them to, to hear it. Very beneficial. So obviously we're just going to be talking about that topic here today, the Barnabas yep. factor. Uh, if you want to, if you all want to hear or watch uh, brother Jacob's story, you can go back to episode 13. He shared it with us. He, he has a, a wonderful story. He's a pastor up on the gold coast. So yeah, check that out if you want to hear more about his background. But uh, would you mind sharing with us starting, you know, uh, I guess for those who may not know you, if they haven't listened to that episode, uh, you know, who you are, uh, yep. your, your pastor at the Gold Coast, that sort of thing. Yep, yep. Uh, of course, my name's Jacob uh, Caltabiano. I'm originally from the Pentecostals of Sydney. I was there for most of my life. Uh, my family came when I was eight years old and... We uh, had our years of turbulence and at, at the later teenage years came back to the Lord, uh, grew under the leadership and pastorship of Brother Slack and then Brother Stanley Harvey. And 2012, the Lord sent us to the Gold Coast here in Queensland to pastor a church. And uh, we've been in now for 10 years. It's been a great journey. We've seen great things happen. Uh, the Lord's blessed us. The church is growing. We've been able to start a daughter work with plans of a new daughter work. And we've also been able to raise up leaders. And most of all, we've seen many souls saved and brought into the kingdom, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, and that's really what we want to talk about here today is is raising up leaders, mm. but also, you know, the the role of the assistant leader or someone who is in support of a, of a pastor. 
and uh, Grace Point is a wonderful church on the mm-hmm. Gold Coast, and it's been it's been wonderful seeing it grow and develop over the this last decade. Yeah, I'm grateful that I've been able to to have a front row seat to a lot of that, being able to travel up yeah. and and seeing the development of the church. Would you mind sharing with us a bit? What do, what do you mean when you say the Barnabas factor? What what is that? Yep. Okay. The Barnabas factor. When when I was given this topic at the recent retreat, originally I wasn't the speaker. Somebody else was, but due to family commitments, they couldn't be there or weren't going to be there. And so when I looked into the Barnabas factor, from what I could see, it you, know, you get into the Word of God, you look at the story of Barnabas and how God used him to reach out to the apostle Paul. Barnabas was a man that invested in Paul. And the Barnabas factor is really about us investing in leadership. Barnabas first came, met Saul, when he was known as Saul, a convert who many of the disciples were fearing. They thought, Mm. is this undercover? He's been throwing Christians into prison. But we know as we read the word of God that, no, no, the apostle Paul had a genuine conversion on his road to Damascus. And God moved in a, a powerful, powerful way. He was in a situation where there was a true conversion and he went to the synagogues. He was like a new convert sharing his testimony. You know, he he knew Acts 2.38, maybe, (laughs) and that would have been about (laughs) it. But he was out there because of the influence that he did have in the Jewish culture and hierarchy. He was out there sharing. And, of course, he needed someone to mentor him. Now, when he came to be with the disciples, the disciples were all scared. Is this a yeah. genuine conversion or we're we being tricked into, you know, allowing him into the inner circle so he can throw us all into prison? Barnabas, the Bible says, he took him in. Uh, I think it's in chapter 8 of uh, Acts, uh, chapter 9, sorry. Barnabas took Saul in and it's as if, you know, you, you don't get the full detail. It's as if Barnabas invested. He saw something in Saul that perhaps the rest didn't see. And Later on in chapter 11, I believe it is, it's here where you see uh, Barnabas wants to start a church in Antioch. And the Bible says he comes looking for Paul. Again, you're not mm. seeing Paul heavily involved uh, in ministry. Yes, the desire is there. Yes, he's like a new convert. Got a lot to say, but needs to be grounded perhaps. But Barnabas comes and brings Saul, the apostle Paul sorry, with him. And for a whole year, they're there in Antioch. And the Bible tells us that it was in Antioch where they were first called Christians. And it's in Antioch, which is really a a missionary-type church. We see the effects that Barnabas has uh, on Paul. Barnabas invests Mm. so much in Paul as a disciple, uh, as an assistant, if you want to put it that way, because he was really, I believe, assisting Barnabas. But then later on, you'll go to read, uh, you know, they they part their ways later on in in the book of Acts uh, through some controversies. However, you go on to see that the Apostle Paul begins to do what Barnabas did for him. And Paul goes and mentors yeah. people like Titus, uh, Timothy, Silvanus, uh, and many others. And, and I mm. believe the Barnabas fact is wrapped up in that. Barnabas saw a man that he was willing to invest in. And he invested in a man as an assistant, as a helper, who would later on grow to be the greatest apostle of the New Testament. But Paul wouldn't take the power to himself, so to speak. He wouldn't just take this ministry as in, I'm the Apostle Paul. No, it was as if he was mentored by a man that was creating disciples. And in turn, Paul would go on to make more disciples. And the you know, you, when you read that, you begin to see that there's a principle there. The Barnabas factor is for every leader. We ought to be looking for assistance. 
people that mm. we can work with, that we can mentor, that we can lead, and not just instill in them a level that limits them, but instill in them, invest in them uh, pr prayerfully and, and under the inspiration of God so that we can disciple people to make disciples. And I think mm. with this factor, with this uh, method in the church today, our church will have a great future because leaders will be making leaders uh, through assistant, yeah. assistant leadership. And by doing this, we'll see that it'll continue to grow and the church will expand. And how will the church expand unless we have more leaders? I, I said this the other day and I really believe it. I believe that leadership growth also equates to church growth because yes. we're limited, brother. We, we're, we're limited. There's yeah. only so much we can do. Mm. But if we can multiply ourselves in others, they can extend the work of God. And this is the Barnabas factor that we we're talking about. I've seen this in my own uh, journey so far. Uh, I come under the pastorship, as I said before, of Brother Slack there in Sydney. Yep. And he mentored many pastors today, Australia-wide. As a matter of fact, our general superintendent, Brother Stanley Harvey, came from that church and was heavily influenced also uh, by Brother Slack. And, you know, there are other mm -hmm. great men that we see as well. Uh, I was just at the retreat looking at some of the ministers and pastors who had been disciple of Brother Jacobson up in Townsville. Yep. Now, you've been yep. there many times. You've yes, seen yeah, I have. It's a great church. Brother Nightingale is doing a great job. However, it's not a church with hundreds of, you know, a, a thousand people in that church. Yet, as he operated in this Barnabas factor, this mentoring type uh, attitude, we see today that there are pastors all over Australia who are directly mentored and influenced by Brother Jacobson. And they pastor churches mm -hmm. that are bigger than his. But that's an extension of what God did through the man of God reaching out to the rest of Australia. And it's going to bring continued growth in our churches today. Yeah, it's so important that the mentorship aspect, you know, it's it's one thing for you to catch a vision, but you mm. have to be able to pass that along. You know, imagine if Barnabas wouldn't have gone out of his way to invest right. in a, a, a young guy, Saul. We, we think of all these disciples as mm. like they're in their 50s, <laughs> but in reality, they would have been they would have been young men. Yeah, um, Jesus, you know, he he was crucified when he was 33 years old so you would assume that the disciples were probably younger than him mm. and so you'd guess that paul would have been probably in his 30s mm. and so Barnabas saw this guy invested in him and because of that you know we see the results of that and again you shared you know the the results of brother slack investing in the next generation the, the results of brother jacobson investing in the next generation it has changed mm. australia it's it's yeah. changed the entire country yeah. you know, because these guys are all over Australia. They're not just in Sydney. They're not just in Northern Queensland, but they're, they're all over the country now. Every, every state of Australia, really, you know, you can see wow. their fingerprints yeah. on every state of Australia. And as a matter of fact, as you just commenting, then I'm reminded many years ago now, brother Stoking, when he came to our church in Sydney, uh, on several occasions, he said, he, he looking in the American church, even in the United States, which is, you know, Australia looks towards him heavily. I know I do. He, he said there are some great, great leaders that he knows of, great ministers, great pastors, great leaders, super effective and great systems. He says, but they all lack one thing because they're not passing this on to the next generation. And it's as if that mm. type of leadership is going to die with them. And we might look back and say, oh, what great leaders, what great you know, ministers of the gospel. But he said, if that, if that leadership is not passed on to another generation, if that leadership is not passed on to another man or woman, 
it's dead and buried with that person. And that'd be a shame. Really, yeah, you know, we be. want our ministry to go on. Uh, we want our influence to go on. When we're mm -hmm. well out of all of this, when we're retired or gone to be with the Lord, so to speak, but we want the ministry to go on. We want the church to continue to grow. And it can't grow by us just investing in ourselves. It's going to grow by us investing in others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And just this past week, we had uh, Brother Wiki Apiata, and he was talking to us about how um, a, a good way or a good uh, philosophy to follow when it comes to mentoring young people. And he's talking about, you know, teenagers, that mm. sort of thing, maybe even young adults in their early 20s. Whereas this subject, we're talking about mentorship is very similar, but this is more so on on the uh, the pastor level mm. to, yeah. you know, the assistants or maybe even uh, local ministers, you know, those ones that are that are in that stage where they're going to be, they're, they're in the ministry or they're in their, on their way to maybe starting a church plant, that sort of yeah. thing, becoming an assistant pastor. Um, so I just wanted to mention that we yeah. did talk about mentoring last week, but this is this is on a, a more senior level. Yeah. And um, so when you're talking about the Barnabas factor, you you have the you have the main leader, and then you have the person that they're wanting to uh, develop and to yep. mentor. Would you mind from from a pastor's perspective? Would you mind sharing with us? You, you did this in the session where you talked about, you know, from a pastor's perspective. Um, what it is that you're looking for and, and what it is that you're trying to do as someone who is mentoring the next generation. Yeah, yeah. well, we. one thing I've realized, if we're going to start more churches here on the Gold Coast, that's our vision, that's our desire, I can't be expecting that God's going to send me so-and-so from somebody else's church. That would be lovely. Mm. <laughs> that would be great. As a matter of fact, here where I pastor at Grace Point, Initially, there was one couple that I was hoping would get, you know, a brick would fall down from heaven upon them that had this revelation come to the Gold Coast. Their pastor would come out and say, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but unfortunately, that was that would have been great because they were a great young couple. But that's not how God works. He's, if anything, the only thing I really felt from God was, I've given you a responsibility to raise up a church. That means I'm also called mm. upon to raise up assistance. I'm also called upon to raise up ministers and and leaders within this local assembly to affect the kingdom of God in this area. And so I realized that the local church needs to start investing in their own. You know, for yeah. years I've heard it, oh, we need a pastor here, we need a pastor there. And I understand that will always be the case. But in recent times I've sat down and asked myself this question, what are the local churches doing to raise up a pastor within their own congregation? And yes, I know some churches have got smaller congregations than others. However, whether I don't believe uh, the Barnabas factory is limited to the size of the congregation. Yeah, of course. I, I, when I read the story of, of Barnabas coming and getting Paul and saying, we're going to Antioch, we're going to start a church. I mean, I don't see that when they turned up there that there was all these advertisements on Facebook <laughs> saying <laughs> Barnabas is coming to town. Uh, it was exactly. two men going into a city and together they conquered that as they were conquering the city, as they were raising up a church, I believe Paul was being mentored into the role that he would later on fulfill it was hands on mm -hmm. and I believe in the church today here on the Gold Coast, in every local assembly the hope of our churches is not in the evangelists coming, we need evangelists they're there to encourage us it's not in the conferences, they're great we need conferences it's in how much time am I willing to spend 
with an individual. I mm. mean, Barnabas, I'm sure, is a busy good. man, but he yeah. chose to invest. He, he, we all knew, well, they all knew, sorry, the, the past that Paul had. They knew that he would have yeah. murdered. They knew he was throwing Christians into prison. They knew he was a rough man compared to what mm -hmm. they were. And I don't necessarily mean rough as in, you know, doing sinful things. However, there was fear because of his past. Barnabas right. looked past all of that. You know, Barnabas, he didn't see a lump of coal. He saw a diamond. And I, I, mm. I really feel for us as pastors, church leaders, we need to be raising up assistance. And our limits, we need to start taking limitations off them because sometimes limitations are excuses. If we're to be really honest, you know, this person, uh, can I really invest in him? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, brother. When I look back, when I was a young Christian, uh, just new in leadership in church, I'm going to tell you right now, what on earth did my pastor see? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm I'm the exact same. I, I was joking around. We had Brother Tyler Sullivan here for um, youth. Uh, it was a youth convention uh, like a month or so ago. And I was talking to him about, uh, you know, the, the Facebook, when it reminds you of like your past posts, yeah. it's like <laughs> you go on Facebook and then you get nailed by this past post it's like what was i think i said i've seen bro in 2000 i think it was in 2009 uh, i'm i'm an intern here at the pos just moved to australia and i decided that it was important enough for me to post on my facebook account that we were out of toner and i was frustrated <laughs> i'm like oh my goodness and, and i was talking to him about that i was like i, I can't believe the sort of silliness that i posted right. because bro same here and, but you know what we came to is like we're just so grateful that there were leaders yes. in our lives that that mm -hmm. saw beyond that yeah. that saw beyond the the silliness of of that and the immaturity of it and said hey this is this is someone that I'm willing to invest my time mm -hmm. and energy in because you know God can use them yeah. and uh, yeah so grateful for that yeah yeah exactly and that's why I, I look back in my own past my own journey and as a young Christian I look at some of the young men that I hung around. And, mm. you know, I'm here. God's called me here on the Gold Coast because somebody invested in me. There's a great pastor there in, you, in your church in POS who's now our superintendent. Our pastor invested in him in Liverpool, mm -hmm. uh, the assistant pastors in, in Sydney as well, you know, in Campbelltown. And, and the list goes on to Darwin and many, many other places, Boy, because there was a man of God that saw something and he knew that his calling as a pastor was more than just standing behind the pulpit and preaching Acts 2.38. Salvation is vitally mm. important. We agree on that. But once you preach the message and you have a convert, then what? Yeah. You know, and we need to be investing. I, I believe it's very important that we see the example of uh, Barnabas and we recognize this is every pastor's responsibility. This is every church leader's responsibility that we recognize that we've been called to make disciples that starts yep. with salvation, it doesn't end in the baptistry. It doesn't end at an altar mm. of somebody speaking in tongues. As a matter of fact, that's just the beginning stages. And, and you know, I, I pray that there are some courageous pastors because I believe it, it takes courage. I'm sure yeah. Brother Slack was criticized for the people that he invested in, you know, but he heard from God and, and was willing. And the, yeah, and the other aspect of that is, is that, and I think you mentioned it, you talked about, you know, uh, you know, don't be afraid of getting hurt or disappointed. That was one of your points. Yeah. And, and 
not every leader that Brother Slack invested in turned out exactly the way that that he wanted them to or the way that he envisioned. And you know, not every person that we invest in is is going to result in mm. you know a superstar like Paul. I'm sure Barnabas invested in other people besides just Paul, but we know of Paul because he wrote half the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. And that that's actually a really good point you brought up there. Because if you and I encourage every every pastor out there to share their story to their leadership. And we need to glean off our pastors because I don't think there's one pastor in the UPC uh, of Australia that's been pastoring for more than 10 years that hasn't got some tragic story of being stabbed in the back mm-hmm. or of somebody that they've invested so much time and so much en- energy into. And, you know, Coming from the Campsie Church, which was originally in Belmore, and observing as a young teenager and an early child, he had many. My pastor had many people that really did him hard and let him down. Yeah. But he's still invested. And that's and I shared this the other day. We need to recognize, I mean, Samuel, the last prophet or the last judge of Israel, his children were corrupt. He took it yeah. upon him as personal. Because his children rejected his dad's ministry and calling, they didn't follow after their dad. That would have hurt him, his own family. Secondly, the nation, we want a king to rule over us. Hang on a second. God's put me in charge. Mm. You don't want me in charge is what you're saying. He took that, he would have taken that personal and got it to say, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And then he goes and grabs the first king, a man that's head and shoulders above the rest. King Saul comes on the scene and, you know, he's he's loved by all. But then he goes a bit dark and a bit sour and takes things, it it ends up pretty bad. Where Samuel has to tell him, God's rejected your kingship. And yet you got all this history behind Samuel of all these people that really he invested in or wanted to invest in only to find himself hurt. And now God at the end of it all says to him, go to Jesse's house and go for his sons. And he's there He's there standing there with the anointed oil, goes through seven boys, and none of them are good enough. God's not touching on any of those to be the king. I'm thinking, how frustrated is Samuel? It's like, come on, I'm ready for the pension. I want to retire now. <laughs> but when David comes, he pours that anointing over him. God uses Samuel one more time to raise up one more leader. And the scriptures would mm-hmm. go on to say he was a man after God's own heart. You know, he could have been burnt wow. out. He could have said, I can't do this anymore. I've done it all. But the last one more time, get that oil, pour it out. And from all of that, it's a great example for every pastor. Just keep investing in people. You know, don't be afraid of being hurt. Let God heal you every time you are hurt. Don't take it on the next leader. Don't be hard or, you know, unnecessarily cautious towards that person based on somebody else. Let God heal and you keep doing the will of God because I believe if the Lord would tarry, bro, I really believe for my heart there are some great leaders in the making right now. There really are some great preachers coming up, some great pastors coming up, and right now we don't see them, but I really believe that God is doing something and therefore we have that responsibility. Let's just keep investing and doing what God's called us to do. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I love that perspective uh, of Samuel, how he, mm. he had gone through all of those uh, mm. situations where he could have been discouraged as a leader, um, discouraged as a man of God, and yet he continued to put himself out there and, and invest mm. in others. And in the end, he's rewarded with, with a guy like David. And uh, yeah, that uh, that's really good. Mm. I haven't really heard the story of Samuel told from that perspective, mm. so I, 
that's, that's a bit of revelation for me. I really, mm. really like that. Uh, what are some other things that, that you would suggest to pastors um, who are looking to invest in yep. uh, a leader? Or it may not necessarily be a pastor. It could just be a leader who's looking to invest in someone maybe within their department or you know within the local church. Yep. Don't be afraid to give responsibilities, tasks, call them what you like. You know, I'm not saying when you start off training somebody, give them the church. <laughs> Definitely not. But give them small opportunities and see their faithfulness. Recognize their, the opportunities that you give people. You know, and, and as you give them opportunities, that also gives them a sense of uh, ownership of the vision of the church. If we're to be honest, the, yeah. the vision that comes through the church through the man of God is not his vision per se. It comes from the Lord. And so for that mm. vision to be fulfilled, you've got to engage everybody in this. As you start giving people that you're training some small tasks to do, you're giving them responsibility with the vision that God has given this church. And that takes mm -hmm. that brings ownership. And we know that when we're a part of something, we're not just working for a boss, you know, like when I used to work in the warehouse, I was managing a warehouse. The products that we were making and selling did nothing to my life. All I was there for, <laughs> yeah. to be quite honest with you, was Friday's payday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, we're not here for Friday's payday. We are a part. Right. And as young ones, as new leaders are getting to get involved in the vision, they take ownership. And you and I can see their faithfulness. And as we see their faithfulness, we might see that some of those that we're investing in might have more potential than we do. And I said this the other yeah. day, and I want to say this again. It's important that we as leaders don't allow insecurities and jealousies to plague our ministry and hold, uh, which causes us to hold others back. I've heard some tragic stories. Mm. I really have heard some tragic stories of some pastors that could have had really thriving churches, but they got insecure because they had some people in their churches that were more organized, uh, better equipped, perhaps better preachers, and they held them back out of insecurities. This is the kingdom of God. And I'm sure we've all got our own insecurities and fears. But, you know, as we raise up leaders from within, we, we can't be afraid of that. We can't be afraid of or allow hurts and disappointments to hold us back because it's not going to stop them. It's going to stop the whole vision that God's given the church when our insecurities step in. It's so good. Yeah, we need to realize that. So create opportunities within well, the United Pentecostal that, Church. Sorry, not only that, uh, just sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. further on to your point there where you said, uh, it's not just going to stop them, but it's going to stop, as you said, the vision, like yeah. the vision that you have as a senior leader, it, it you're going to disrupt the fulfillment of that just, just out of jealousy. Why, why in the world would, would you want to do that? You want to see that, that vision fulfilled. Yeah. And I think brother, this is why sometimes pastors do limit opportunities. And this is why it's so important for every pastor to realize we're doing the work of God. Yes. We want the church mm -hmm. to grow. Yes. I know our face is on the, you know, on, on the website, the pastor of such and such a church. And there is some pressure that when our yeah. music team does bad, you know, I don't sing, but then it looks bad on me. And when they do good, it looks good on me. But but we've got to put those insecurities aside. We're doing the work of God. We're building the kingdom of God. We have a product, salvation. We get mm. no commission, uh, just joy, just excitement every time we raise up a new leader. And, and I was going to say, even within the UBCA, there are opportunities that I want to encourage every pastor to use. Uh, quick plug here for home missions, I suppose. But on a serious note, <laughs> as pastors, utilize these. You know, we have the Elisha mm. program. I'm coming to preach the uh, men's camp in uh, the ACT in August. 
So I've got a, a, a brother that's been young in the Lord in our church for two, two, three years now. The last year he's really shining. He's not a leader, but I see a lot of potential in our men's ministry with him. So I'm bringing him along on the Elisha program mm -hmm. so that he can see and get a burden for the greater vision of which we are a part of. You know, AYMs are, AYM teams are coming up. There's invigorate teams that are going out. There are opportunities that pastors, you don't need to go out and think, oh, what programs can I go for or what can I recreate? You don't need to recreate anything. You need to see what's already there. Uh, one thing I that we were blessed here in Grace, in Grace Point Church, you know, 2019, I really felt a commitment to training leaders. And we've got some online programs, and there are plenty out there within the UBC and UBC churches, Australia, UBCI. Yeah. And we got one that works some for really us. Good ones. Not everyone's going to work for everybody. But it definitely worked for us. It's the Apostolic Academy, uh, and that worked for mm -hmm. our church. And that was online training because I could have taught all these lessons and taken up 50 week, uh, hours of my week in doing so. But instead, yeah. there's some online training that I gave to potential leaders. And, of course, I monitored. So they watched videos of Bernard, Brother Bernard, Brother Woodward, Brother Chester Wright, and mm -hmm. great training. I did it with them. And all I got to see was their results and their feedback. So I was able to put them in a situation where they're learning through their church, their local church, through the what God's given their pastor, but with other great men. Uh, yeah, I'll be really honest with you, bro. Me personally, it's just my opinion here. But Brother Bernard and Brother Woodward are probably the two best teachers in my life that I listen to online. They are great men. Of yeah, the they're so good. And so, mm -hmm. so I got our people into those kind of courses for their benefit. Yeah. And uh, the Apostolic Academy, that uh, just if someone is trying to find that for themselves, that is that through Tabernacle of Joy? Tabernacle of Joy, yes, uh, in Singapore. And they they actually connect that into their AxNet program, yes. which I think you guys use, and yeah. we use it as well here at the POS. So I would definitely encourage you guys to look into that. Pastors who who are struggling mm. to uh, fill the needs of, of, of developing leaders, that, that is an amazing platform yeah. that you can use and use it very easily, as as you just mentioned. Um, you can use that very easily. You can use that starting tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so definitely look into that. I would definitely encourage you guys to to have a look at that program. And with that program, now, yeah, sorry, as I say, with that program, and and I'm sure there are others like that. So I'm not trying to. I'm not on commission here, <laughs> joking. But <laughs> neither one of us are. <laughs> but I like that program because what I get is the feedback to the lessons on leadership and doctrine, so I can monitor and know the minds and the thoughts of those doing it. Because that's what I want to yeah, know. I want to know how they're interpreting the lessons, what they're getting out of it, and I can gauge it from that. And you want to find something that you can gauge the progress uh, of each potential leader that you're mentoring and investing into. Yeah, and they're able to do that on their own time. Yeah, and uh, and you're able to do it on your own time as the leader to to see what, what they're doing. I might clip that and send that over to Tabernacle of Joy <laughs> <laughs> to Pastor Timothy Lee. Uh, so we we talked about it from a leader's perspective. I, I did want to get into you talked about it from a follower's perspective or yep. from that person who's being trained. That one, the person who might be an assistant leader. Would yep. you mind sharing with us? Um, you know, the Barnabas factor for those who are junior leaders or those who are yep. being uh, mentored or raised up. Yep. There are five points that I'll quickly go through that I believe, and I'm sure there are many, but these five points speak to myself and how 
I've been raised under Brother Slack and Brother Harvey, but also how I've seen the ones in uh, on the Gold Coast here in Queensland also. And that's number one. This is the attitude of a follower or an assistant leader. Submit and support. You're not there to take the vision. You're not there to direct the church. You're there to submit yourself to the leadership of your pastor and to support the vision that God has given him. Therefore, if you don't agree or you think they should be going another direction, your role is to say, Lord, give me a heart to submit and to support. Mm. You know, some people just want to submit. You know what? This is where the church is going. Well, I'll submit. I'm not just stopping at submission today. I want to bring it deeper than just submitting and saying, okay, I'll just bear with this. <laughs> no, I'm going to support yeah. this. In other words, I'm going to help mm. build this. You know, we heard over the That's weekend, so Nehemiah had the vision. And the people said, you know what? Not only will we submit to the vision, we're going to support. We're going to come out there and we're going to work together under the direction that you give us. We're going to actually support you by getting involved. And I want to tell every assistant leader, it's your job to say, thank you, Lord. You've given us a vision through the man or woman of God. All I need to do is submit to that. And in my act of submission is get out there and support it in whatever way possible, whatever way I'm asked to, to do it. Whatever my hand finds to do, do it with all my might so that God can be glorified. That's so good. And yeah, because you could submit, but then not support, you know, people will say, Oh, I'm submitted to the vision or yeah. Okay. Uh, pastor made that call. I don't agree with it. So, um, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say anything, but I'm also not going to show up and help support the vision. And I think we, I talked about this with, uh, brother Dan McLeod, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, Hey, I submit. Um, and, and, uh, I disappointed that you didn't choose what, what I wanted to do. <laughs> and then they don't, support it's like well it's one thing um to submit but you also have to support the vision that's right you know? that's part of submission i believe I don't, I don't think you're truly submitted if you're not especially Agreed. if you're in, a, in a, a leadership type role yeah i don't feel you're fully submitted to that vision if you're not actually supporting it and getting behind it yeah and, and our assistants are leaders because they're an influence that people are looking towards and if all they simply mm. see is this oh, i'm submitted but they're not supporting. Like you said, they're not submitted. But when they see somebody that's there working towards what's being put forward, that shows submission. And that's a great example. As we're following, yeah. there are others that are following us and they're, they're seeing that attitude. Yeah, you're exemplifying it. Yeah. Yep. Well, secondly, I believe every assistant, you need to align your ministry. Uh, if you're in a department, your goals, the vision that you personally have, with the vision of the church, with the vision that your pastor has mm. given. It's important so, to recognize that. So don't just submit it, but actually align it, you know, align write it, it down, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll, I look at the United Pentecostal Church of Australia and our, uh, before Brother Downs uh, retired, he gave us the focus of apostolic growth for our church and the vision. And so I've also, as a pastor of this church, I've tried to align Grace Point to that vision of the national mm. church. And I believe every assistant needs to recognize, align your ministry, align what God's given you, where you're being mentored and trained with the vision of your local church. Otherwise it causes division and assistants have influence. And if they're, they're mm-hmm. seen to be having a, a, you know, a separate vision, people will follow that and it will affect the whole church. How you assist, how you align your ministry uh, as an assistant will affect the body of Christ, even though you're not the yeah. pastor or the senior leader. It will affect the church that you're a part of. 
So just align your vision to the vision of the church. I find that's actually yeah, easy. I used to love being an assistant. I was never an assistant pastor, but assisting my pastor in leading departments was easy. Before I left Sydney, I never had to worry about the vision of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Pastor Stan Harvey, mm. uh, he heard from God. My role was just to support him and the vision that God gave him. And that kept me yeah. in the will of God. Stepping out of that, I step out of the will of God. So it's important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the the next point you're about to get to is is talking about um, mentors. Yeah. The people who are being mentored, that they actually have a responsibility to mentor others. And and we talked about this uh, a bit on the episode, this our last episode with with Brother Wiki. Mm. So would you mind explaining that a little bit more? The responsibility that that someone who hey, you are being mentored, you're an assistant leader, but you still have that responsibility to pass that along. Yeah. What you need to understand, if you're an assistant, God has placed you in that position. Your pastor has tapped you on the shoulder because as an assistant, you are an influence. We heard over the weekend, and we, you've probably read up leadership books to know this, that uh, leadership <laughs> equates to influence. So an assistant, although they're not the senior leader of the church, they're in a place of influence. Therefore, mm-hmm. as somebody is looking up to them, and you know, every church model is different uh, depending on the size of the church. Uh, I'm sure what, what you have in the Pentecostal of Sydney is a lot greater than what we have here in the Gold Coast simply because we have a, a smaller congregation. But regardless of all of that, if you're an assistant, you're being put in that place of training and of being mentored because you're an influence in the kingdom of God. And you need to always realize because you are, uh, people are looking towards you, and therefore, as you're being mentored and people are looking towards you, you need to pass down what's been given to you through your pastor and senior leaders, and you need to stay on course with that, with those that are looking up to you. And a good example of this is when I was running the home fellowships uh, in Sydney, I was under the pastor and the, the church board, and, the, and Brother Harvey would give the vision of what he wanted for the home groups. I would pass that to our 17 or yeah, we had 17 home groups. I would make sure that it, that was being clearly, or as clear as I could, passed to the home group leaders. Some of those home group leaders had home group assistant leaders because they were in a mm-hmm. thriving area. And I came to realize something. Some of those assistant home group leaders did not make good home group leaders. Somewhere in the flow of leadership responsibility and mentorship, it came from the pastor to the home fellowship director to the home fellowship leaders uh, to the the assistant to the to the home fellowship leader somewhere down mm-hmm. there when they were elevated it didn't come out the way it was supposed to and therefore it's important that we realize this has got to flow throughout the church from yeah. god to your pastor department leaders assistants and let it flow and it flows to us and it flows through us in other words god imparts to us as assistants so that we can also impart it to somebody else i believe that's very important yeah. Yeah, that's good. The, that there is that f- that flow that's taking place, and and you can visualize that where mm. it's you know coming from God to the pastor, vision, uh, influence, and then it, it filters its, its way down. Yeah. And I was actually just going to mention that earlier in one of your previous points that that uh, leadership is just influence, and if you have influence, then then you are a leader to some degree, whether yeah. that's positive or negative. And so we need to take responsibility of that. If if you see that that you know you have a bit of influence in a certain area you need to take responsibility of that and realize mm. that okay well god has given me this or i've been put in this position the pastor has seen something in me 
then now it's on you to make sure that that influence is yeah. in alignment with senior leadership, with, yeah. with the vision of the church, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, we've seen over the years when groups have left, it's because somebody in that place of influence, not necessarily a leader, uh, mm. but an assistant, have taken people with them because it's been used in yeah. the negative effect. Yeah. The yeah. Four, I was going to say the fourth point I was going to say that I, I it speaks to me is do whatever you are asked with excellence and without complaint. In other words, if mm. you feel but God's raising me up to be a pastor, <laughs> why would my pastor ask me to clean the church? Because there's a need. <laughs> and leaders yeah. are supposed to fill the voids, the needs that are there in the church. As a leader, that's we heard Brother Shaw, uh, Brother Shaw talking about leadership minister is servanthood and therefore as mm. an assistant and as leadership or somebody aspiring to be a leader our role is to be servants and therefore where there is a need we're there to fill that need and if our pastor our, our leadership tells us there's a need here can you do this whatever it is do it with excellence not because we're on a pulpit and people are seeing us there's a lot of pressure on a pulpit you know but the church doesn't run off a pulpit. The church runs off everything that takes place, the behind the scenes and the things that are seen. And there's a lot that goes on. And as people are, are given opportunities, we're not given the opportunities that we necessarily want. We're given the opportunities that the church needs. And so whether that, whatever yes. that is, I want to strongly encourage you today, do it with excellence, whatever it is. Yes. And if you're asked to pick up somebody and bring them to their hotel, don't pick them up, take them out for lunch and sightseeing. You weren't asked to do that. You asked to pick them up. Mm. So do it with excellence. Clean your car. <laughs> Act like you're the best Uber driver that the world's ever seen. Have the bottle of water waiting for that guest and take them back there. Do it with excellence because I believe God, his word shows us, if you're faithful in the little, he'll make you faithful in the much. And so whatever opportunities have mm. been afforded to you, please hear me. Do them as if you're preaching to thousands. Do them even though nobody's mm. seen. Do them as if it's the greatest revival meeting that the world's never seen. Do it with excellence, yeah. knowing that this is God's yeah. uh, appointed opportunity in your life. You know, I mean, Joseph, uh, bro, Joseph, he was given Potiphar's house as a slave. He did it with excellence. The Bible mm. says he was, he was given a lot of responsibility. Joseph did great in jail, so much so that the, the, the jailer said, you know what, you're in charge. I mean, yeah, here's the keys. Yeah. Look after the jail for me. I mean, why? Because whatever he was doing, he did it with excellence so that God could be glorified. And it was the anointing, and it was God's spirit and God's presence in his life that everybody got to see. And then after 17 years of hardship or 13 years of hardship, he was taken out of the prison to interpret Pharaoh's mm. dream. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, the, the second part of that, I think, is really vital. We, we like to focus on the excellence part. Uh, you know, it's important that we, whatever we do, we do it with excellence. And, and so we can strive towards that. It's like, yes, I need to do it with excellence. And, um, but we also do it without complaint. Yeah. And, and that is the hard part. Because even when you've actually done what's asked and you've done it with excellence, but then you go home and you're complaining about what pastor has asked you to do, you know, your kids might be listening. Uh, you're complaining about, you know, all the different responsibilities, like oh, this isn't even what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. You know, God's called me to do something else. Why am I doing that? You failed the test. Yeah. You may have done it with excellence in front of everyone else, but at home, you know, you're complaining or in your own heart, you're complaining. So yeah, it's, it's so important that you do it not only with excellence, 
but without complaint. Mm. You know, don't be the person who's, uh, when, when a mm. senior leader asks you to do something, that you do it and then you just go and complain about it behind their back. Mm. That that's not what that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing it with excellence, and don't complain about it because, as you said, there will be that time. Yes, you might be over a little right now, mm. but if you continue to serve faithfully, if you continue to serve with humility right. and fo- and follow the vision of senior leadership, there will be a time when you're doing the things that other people would like to that's do right. because of your humility, because of your commitment to excellence. Yeah, and the Lord sees it. <laughs> if the, the Lord, Lord sees, sees it. it Amen. He sees the good and the bad. Amen, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your final point yeah, here final on, on, point on this was, section about followers? And this is important. I mean, they're all important, obviously. But communicate, 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 great communication. <laughs> communicate clearly and regularly with your leadership. Your pastor is raising up the church. You, know, you said it before, mm-hmm. brother. Did Barnabas have more people that he was working with? Some in me says, I'm sure there was more than Paul in his life that he had to work with. We see the Barnabas fact of him working with the apostle and great things coming out of all of that. Let's be honest. Every pastor is working with more than one person. I mean, just in our church, we have about just over 100 people. I've got about seven or eight department leaders. They've got committees. They've got people that are working with them. I can't be chasing all of these people up all the time. But if, if mm-hmm. you're an assistant, do your pastor a favor. If you have a, if you have a, I don't know, something's not going to plan or you're, you're concerned about something, don't go around telling everybody else. Talk to the, yeah. talk to the man of God. Talk to, talk to the woman of God. Communicate clearly. I've heard people say, oh, there's been lack of communication here because this and this. Well, communication is a two-way street. If you feel yes, that your so pastor good. is not giving you enough or you're feeling that he's not communicating clearly enough, let me tell you how we can stop the room, uh, the voice of, of giving the devil a, a room to speak his voice in our lives. Communicate. Call your pastor. Mm. Pastor, can I talk to you? I'm just a bit unsure about what's going on. Am I doing enough? Speak to me. But we've got to learn to be uh, great communicators. As in, when it comes to our needs, ask questions. Don't feel it's rebellious to ask questions. I don't want my our leadership here on the Gold Coast knows if you've got a, a question, speak to me. You're not going to be chastised yeah. and rebuked because you you question something. But you'll probably be confused and frustrated and, and grow a bad attitude when you've got all these uh, thoughts in your mind that are clouded, which could be uh, simply solved by a phone call, a conversation. And so yeah. as God is raising you up in leadership, learn to communicate with your pastor, learn to communicate with your leadership, uh, learn to put aside any fear or you know whatever. Speak to them. Feel that yeah. freedom to say, you know what, I'm a bit. Am I doing the right thing? Give me some feedback, and you'll get it. And your questions will be answered. And the more questions you ask, there'll be more clarity. And the more clarity, there'll be less frustration. Yeah, I love the point you made there about communication is a two way street. Mm. You know, oftentimes uh, as junior leaders will complain, it's like, oh, Mm. communication isn't there from our senior leader. But you can help, you know, you can help your senior leader communicate more clearly by communicating with them. And when when they realize that you are willing and that you want to communicate with them, then the chances are they're going to start communicating with you even more. Yeah. And I I also like the point you made about um, 
you know, we need to be good communicators. And, and we, a lot of us talk about that, especially those of us who are called to pulpit ministry. <laughs> we talk about, you know, being effective communicators through teaching, through preaching, communicating the gospel. But we also need to be effective communicators in our interpersonal relationships That's between right. one another yeah. and between those up uh, above us and below us on, on the on the flow chart of leadership. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. It'll solve a lot of problems. <laughs> it will, yeah, just like it does in marriage, you know, with, with those of you who are married. Uh, uh, and and uh, so many of these apl- principles can apply not just to a church setting. They can apply to a business setting. They can apply to a, a family structure. You know, any time that there is leadership involved, these principles that you've shared today, they can apply. Yeah, definitely. And I've really uh, enjoyed chatting with you. I thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about this subject, about the, the Barnabas factor and how, you know, uh, we can better lead and how we can better support. Mm. Was there any final thing that you would like to share with us for, from this topic before we wrap up here today? And again, thanks for your, for your time today, uh, Brother Jacob. Oh, again, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, but I'd say in summary to all of what we've spoken about today, uh, the Barnabas factor is leadership, raising leaders to go beyond the capacity of our own leadership and influences and abilities. We are training leaders to do more than we could ever do. As Paul was mentored by Barnabas, uh, there came a day when Paul would be elevated uh, to be the apostle that would travel on four journeys, I believe it was. It would be Paul that would go ahead and write uh, nearly half of the New Testament. It was Paul that would go and start churches and mentor more leaders. And that's what the Barnabas Factory is all about. We as pastors have been called to raise up leaders and putting uh, the will of God first before our insecurities and fears. Not only do we want to raise up leaders, my prayer today, brother, is that we raise up leaders to do more than we have ever done. They can be more effective in the kingdom than we've ever been. This motivates me as a pastor, to be really honest with you. The Barnabas Factory keeps me going because my prayer has always been God Give me men, give me women that will do more than I've ever done in the kingdom of God. Like Barnabas raised up Paul, help me to raise up leaders that I won't be insecure of, but I'll push them and propel them to do more than I could ever do in the kingdom of God. That also stops me from being lazy because if that's my prayer, then I want to do more. I want to get out and start more works. I want to get out there, raise more leaders. Because If that's my prayer, then whatever I'm doing, as, as, as I can do more, they will do more than that and the kingdom of God will grow. We're going to conquer the Gold Coast. Australia, the ministry here, we're going to conquer our nation. We won't have to say we've got a new church starting in this city. Oh, but I need someone to send me a pastor. No, God's got a pastor sitting in your congregation. Invest in them and watch the kingdom of God expand in your region and where you're at.